that was good. Good singing tonight, church. God bless you. There's a business meeting tonight. Let's postpone that for another time, shall we? Pastor said, you got to keep it a little short tonight. We have a business meeting. I dreaded business meetings as a pastor. I didn't mind having them, but I just knew that most people didn't care for them. So do this for me tonight. I'm not pastoring anymore, and I praise the Lord for that. Because I don't have to have business meetings anymore. Do this for me tonight. I know half of this crowd is saying, we really don't want to have a business meeting. Keep it short. We want to get out of here. Other people thinking, I want to know every penny that's being spent in this church. So do this for me tonight. Endure these guys that are doing this meeting. Be kind to them. I have a suggestion for you. If you don't like the way they do it, next year you do it. Right? <laughs> Most of you say, I never want to do it. These guys don't either. It's a necessary evil in a church. They want you to know that the monies that are being handled in this church are being handled properly. And they've done it for years. And I praise the Lord for it. And this church has always been a good accountability. Some of you will be new to these meetings. And it'll be longer than you want or maybe shorter than you want. I don't know. But do this. If you have more questions than, than what you want to ask tonight, I know Brother Judge, he'd be more than happy to spend some time with you after the service or another night, sit down and open it all to you. They have no problem doing that. And uh, that would help everybody. So do that. That would be great. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn to Acts chapter 4. I have a, I have a, I don't want to say an old friend, but I have a longtime friend here tonight. Brenda's here tonight. Brenda and I, <laughs> I realized tonight as I was sitting on the platform, it's been almost 40 years since I've seen Brenda. Almost 40 years. You were three, you were three years old then. And uh, yeah, we've been longtime friends. I used to babysit their kids, and her daughter's here tonight, Sarah. And I saw Sarah here several months ago, and she said, you don't recognize me, do you? And I said, no, no. Of course, it had been so many years. She was just a tiny little girl about Willow's age. And uh, she said, I'm, I'm Sarah Cullen. I said, no. And I said, where's your mom and dad? She goes, my mom's moving down here. I said, please bring her to church. So she did. She's here tonight. She just moved down to the Port Rowan area. And I'm so glad she's here. We've had so many good memories over the years. And I was thinking back, Brenda, to uh, some of the days that we've had in past and some of those songs, the songs that we sang back then, they're still good today. They're still powerful today. And think of the, some of the decisions that were made through life and uh, good times. We had some good memories here in this church together with their family. I want to give you this message tonight. I will move quickly. It's called The Betterment of Boldness. The Betterment of Boldness. Turn to Acts chapter 4 if you haven't already done that. Acts chapter 4. I've asked God for 40 years to send revival to Canada. I believe, and we talked about this a little before the service, I believe we tasted of it here in the 70s in Simcoe. We saw some great things happen in our church here and other churches in town. People were going to church. People were getting saved. Uh, our bus ministry uh, just exploded in the 70s. I remember in 1974, we had a goal of 1,004 in 74. Remember that? We had a prospector Pete. Do you remember that? That was a long time ago. But uh, we were shooting for 1,004. We had over 900 people come to church, Bethel Baptist Church, in 1974. It was packed. It was wall-to-wall people. It was so exciting. People were walking the aisles. People were getting saved. People were getting baptized. It was an incredible time. A touch of revival. If that had spread outside of our city to, to surrounding areas and the province and the country, we would have marked it as the beginning of revival times. In my study of revival, I've learned that three things must happen prior to it. There must be a recognition of the need of revival. How many of you tonight by a hearty amen, and this is a Baptist church, so you're loud. How many by a hearty amen would say, it's time for revival in Canada? Amen. More than ever. More than ever. I've learned this. There needs to be a repentance of the reckless heart. 
a repentance of the reckless heart. Let's be honest tonight. Are we greater Christians tonight than we were 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago? Are we stronger tonight? Are we more focused in on the things of the Lord? Are we more adamant about the things of the Lord tonight than we were in those years past? I would have to say tonight, in traveling our churches in this country and other countries, we are not there. Christianity is weak today. It's weak. People get upset over the silliest things, quarrel about the silliest things. I know churches in the States that have split over whether to wear a mask or not. That just, that just baffles me. This is church. This is the saints of God. This is people who love the Lord. This is people who are hoping for revival. My study, I learned this. There needs to be a reinstatement of righteous actions. Are we living a Christian life today? I made this statement a while ago, and I think it's true, that it's time for Christians to act like Christians who are Christians indeed. What would Jesus do in this time? What would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he react to people? I have some neighbors on my west side. They're from Ireland, from Bellamina, Ireland, where, um, yes, the great Irish preacher. Help me, Paul. Who is it? Paisley. Paisley. Ian Paisley. Thank you. Ian Paisley is from. Ian Paisley. And they're, they're Irish folks. They're not saved. His parents are born-again uh, Christians. They go to an independent Baptist church in Ireland. Not saved. And I'm trying to win them to the Lord. And uh, I, I, every now and then, will go over and I'll cut their grass between our houses. He's allergic to grass and he works all day. And I had some time and I cut his grass. And one time he said, why do you, why do, you do that? Why are you cutting my grass? And I said, I- I'm going to tell you something. And I said, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I want to show you Jesus in my life. I want to show you what Jesus would be. I want to do what Jesus would do. I want to say what Jesus would say to you because I want you to see Jesus. I didn't do that to to boast or to be goofy at all. I I really meant it. I want them to see what Jesus Christ would be. Wouldn't it be great if Christians would just be like Christ? We're not always that way. We lose our temper. We say things. We do things. Some things are absent sometimes in our lives. And we don't look like Christ. We're to be like Christ. Christ, and we're not going to see a revival until Christians get that. I believe in this crowd there are a good number of people who are either well on their way or at least wanting those things in their lives. Many, many in our independent Baptist churches lack but one thing to see that carried out to the fullest. Just one. Many lack but one thing that will carry the message of Christ and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And that one thing is found in our text of Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Let's look there tonight. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all, what's that next word? Boldness. They may speak thy word. Wow. Wow, that's the ticket. That's the secret. That's what we need. What we need is boldness. Would you say that word with me? Boldness. Now say it boldly. Boldness. We need boldness. Every one of us. I don't care who it is. Al Stone needs boldness. Paul McPherson needs boldness. We all need it. There are times in our lives where we lack the boldness of Christ. We lack the boldness of the gospel. In this generation... 
in a generation moved and controlled by evolution and liberalism and materialism, grave wrongdoings in all denominations. Listen to me. There were some mistakes made in churches in years gone past. Rather than complain about that and rather than get upset about that, how about we fix that? How about we change some of those things so they're not here anymore? How about we let those things go and move on into a new generation? Some of the things that we had in generations past were great for those generations. We needed it in those generations. There were some things that we were battling in that time that, that we're not battling now, and some of our younger generation don't understand that, perplexes them. But in that time, in the 70s, we saw people come to church. We saw people walk the aisle and get saved and baptized, and, and revival begin to spread. We need that again. We need that again. But with all those things, we have a generation where a large number of Christianity suffer from a discouragement by a heavy decrease in those wanting and accepting the gospel. Let's be honest tonight. Part of the reason why we're not better soul winners, why we're not inviting more to know Christ, where we're not packing churches out, is because we've become discouraged. Because we used to knock on doors and people would invite us in. People would have you sit down and open the Bible and show them the gospel. And today, that just doesn't happen like it used to. We're living in a generation where many mock the things of God, and we hear it. Hollywood continually mocks Christianity. And, and, they, and they raise the banner of, of, of what they want and, and, and try to impress us. And, and commercial after commercial after commercial today, uh, uh, showing us things that are contrary to the Bible. And companies trying to appease everyone. And we think we've lost the battle. And we think that nobody cares. And we think that nobody wants what we've got. And we become discouraged. In a generation where a large number of Christianity suffers from a, a huge social pressure to accept sin. We've been squelched. Don't preach about those things. Don't say those things in public. Be careful what you say because somebody might sue you or somebody might imprison you. I used to tell my family in our church all the time, I'm probably going to go to prison someday for the way I preach. I preach the truth of God's word. And I try to preach it in love. But somebody might get upset. i got to tell you tonight, they're probably going to get upset. Because i got to continue to preach the truth. God's ordered me to do that. I'm going to love people and I'm going to care for people and I'm going to give them Jesus Christ. But I'm going to call sin, sin. That's the kind of preacher that God raised me to be. That's the kind of training I got in this church. That's the kind of preaching I learned in the Bible school I went to here in this church. And I can't change that because it's right and it's good. And so when I go to prison, would some of you please come by and bring me a little something? Like a cake with a file in it or something like that. Please help me out. Would somebody rise up and preach if I get taken to prison? I talked to this young man this morning. He said, I've been called to preach. Praise God. I said, I'm 57 years of age. I think I still got a few years in me. But you know what? I can't preach forever. Somebody's going to have to rise up and carry on that message. Let's pray for these young people. Listen, we got some young people. Young people do this for me tonight. If you're under the age of 30, would you stand very quickly? Stand right now. If you're under the age of 30, stand up right now. All over this auditorium. Do this for me. Do this for me. Sometime in the next few weeks, would you come by and say, guys, thank you for being in church tonight. God bless you for playing those instruments. Thank you, young lady, for being in church tonight. This young couple, thank you for being here tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. You young people, some of these younger kids, thank you for being in church tonight. I know maybe you didn't want to come. Maybe mom and dad said you had to, but I'm telling you tonight, you go home tonight and and you hug your parents and you love them and you thank them because what they're giving you in this place is going to carry you through the rest of your life. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Be seated. Give them a fist bump, bump, tap, elbows, do something with them. I say, listen, I am glad you're in church. 
We better get some young people. We better get some more young people in church or our churches are not going to make it into the next generation. The spiritual weakness overall in Christianity is part of this generation. For a myriad of reasons, many Christians are frightened to openly live and profess Christ. When you realize what that boldness is that we so desperately need, that alone should give you a newfound or renewed boldness in your Christianity. We see, first of all, tonight, number one, boldness is a gift from God. Boldness is a gift from God. In our text of Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are the ones that are preaching. And, and they're declaring the truth amongst the Jewish people. If you know anything about the Jewish people, they're tough. They're tough. I've been to Israel 11 times. I'm taking another trip in 2022. I want some of you to come with me. Some of you have already been. Brother Bahal and I had the opportunity to go. It'll change your life forever, I promise you. Some of you need to come. You've heard about it. You've thought about it. Just, just come. Those Jews are hard people, and these guys are preaching to their own people. I, I think of them preaching to the Jews like us preaching to Canadians. Canadians can be tough. We're, we're, we're kind people. We're good people. But we're tough people sometimes. And they're preaching. And they say, listen, the Lord, the Lord, see our threatenings. We're in a tough spot here. People aren't really receiving what we've got. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, Peter and John are praying, God, give us boldness. Peter's praying for boldness. If ever there was a, a disciple that was marked for boldness, it was Peter. And say, Lord, give us more. Give us that boldness. We need it. What is it that we fear in telling others of Christ? Rebuke, retaliation. And most of all, you know, what do we fear in telling people of Christ? What do we fear? Rejection. Rejection. We don't want to be rejected. We all want to be loved by everyone. I've got bad news for you. That is not going to happen. I speak from my personal experience. I am the nicest guy in the world. Come on, Paul. All right. Thank you. I gave him $10. I want my money's worth. Next time, stand up. I'm the nicest guy in the world. I love to make people laugh. I have a great family. I'm, I'm a kind person. And there are people in this world that don't like me. Most of them are in this section right over here. There are people that don't like me because I preach the gospel. There are people that don't like me because I don't do things the way they think. There are people that don't like me because I may disagree with them. We get worried about people rejecting us. we got to get over that. I remember I was 12 years old when I really had a desire to win people to the Lord. We used to have a soul-winning course at the college here at the church. And I was 12 years old, and I took that soul-winning course. I failed the class. I didn't get very good marks, but I learned how to tell people about Jesus Christ. My Uncle Ray was the teacher. He was a great soul winner. I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. I just wanted people to get saved. I just wanted part of, of doing for someone else what somebody did for me. And we fear rejection. Get over that. People are going to reject you. People are going to be turned away. People don't always want what we've got. But let me tell you something that might help you. We don't need to fear rejection so much because if I offer someone Christ and they say no, they don't reject me. They reject Christ. They're rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting God's word. Not necessarily me. There may be some that will reject me. That's fine. If someone, if someone ceases to be my friend or your friend because you simply offer them would you believe with all your heart and soul mind to be the truth and a help to them in a saving of their soul and they don't want to be your friend anymore? God help them. God help them. I'm simply telling you, I love you. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. You're my friend. You're my coworker. You're my schoolmate. You're, you're my neighbor. You're my wife. You're my son. 
And I want you to know Christ. And if you get mad at me for that, I'm sorry, but I've got to tell you. I've got to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now, many will say no. But that one, that one that cries yes, that one that says, I want Christ. I want to pray. I want to receive Jesus. That one makes all those others wash away. It causes them to fade off into the distance. That one that says, yes, I'm ready. That one that says, yes, I've been waiting for someone. That one that says, I praise the Lord. I just got a letter this week, this week from a lady. Said, I want to thank you for sending a John and Romans to our mailbox in Northern Ontario in Bancroft. I want to thank you for sending that to our home. My seven year old grandson trusted Christ as his savior. Thank you for sending that. That one makes all the others who don't like it worthwhile. Think of this. Think of those that will pass into an eternity of hell because we fear their rejection. Think about that. I'm afraid that they'll say no. I'm afraid that they'll get upset. I'm afraid that they'll do something. And for that, I will let them die and go to hell for eternity. I can't do it. Our boldness comes in knowing that it's not us at all who holds any power. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Go over just a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Great passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with ex- excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. Let's stop there for just a second. How many people have told me over the years, preacher, I'm just afraid to, to talk to people about the Lord. I, I'm not a very go- outgoing person. I, I don't really do well talking to people. <laughs> We're told here, it's so not with the excellency of words. You don't have to worry about that. If you think I'm not a very good speaker, that's okay. Look at verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. All he did was live Christ. All he did was show them Jesus Christ. All he did was tell them how he died. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Let me stop right there. He said, all I'm going to do is live Christ before you. All I'm going to do is be a Christian that's a Christian indeed. I'm just going to be kind to you and do nice things. And when you're sick, I'm going to come and help you. And when somebody passes away, I'm going to come and help you. I'm going to come over and watch your kids when you're in trouble. I'm going to counsel you when your marriage is going better. I'm just going to show you Jesus all I can. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to tell you that I appreciate you. And I'm going to demonstrate Christ. That's all he's saying. Look at verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are, perf- that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the, the princes of this world, but come to not, that come to not. But we speak the wisdom of God in a, ma- in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained therefore the world, uh, before the world unto our glory. He said, listen, I'm not coming to bring swelling words. I- I'm not going to try to be a great orator. I'm simply going to come and tell you about Jesus. When's the last time you simply said to somebody, I love Jesus? Do that tomorrow when you go to work. I don't care who it is in your office or your plan or at your school. I don't care. Go to somebody and say, hey, I got to tell you something. I love Jesus. Can we do that? Sure we can. Why would we ever be afraid to tell somebody we love Jesus in Canada? Last I heard, nobody got shot for saying, I love Jesus in Canada. 
Nobody's gotten beat up for saying, I love Jesus in Canada. We have a freedom here, you know. We still have a little freedom. It's eking away, but we still have some freedom. What's wrong with us going on and saying, hey, I just want you know, I love the Lord. Went to church Sunday, had a great time in church. Oh, man, had this guy preach, he's nuts. But God moved me. The music in the church Sunday moved me. Hey, do you know that song, The Old Rugged Cross? You ever heard that? Listen to the words of this song. It really touched my heart yesterday. Can we do that? I love Jesus. When's the last time? When's the last time you asked for God for boldness? God, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to be afraid talking to my family. I don't want to be afraid talking to my neighbors. God, give me boldness. Let me just say something about Jesus. Let me take a cake over and say, listen, God impressed on my heart just to tell you that I love you and I appreciate you. And in the name of Jesus, I want to give you this cake. Hey, I want to, I want to shovel some snow. we got a snowstorm coming. I don't know if you know that or not. I have to fly out Tuesday and there's a bad storm coming. Hey, go over to somebody's driveway and shovel their driveway for them. Some of you young guys that are here tonight, go to somebody's driveway and shovel it. When they say, how much do you owe you? You know what? I, I just did it because I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. It'd be amazing. Somebody, somebody might be shaken by that. Somebody might want to know what's this all about. Not only is it a gift, but number two, boldness is a part of Christ's possession. Boldness is a part of Christ's possession. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Continue back in your Bible a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3. Boldness is a part of Christ's possession. In Ephesians chapter 3, for time's sake, I'll move quickly. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, and whom we have boldness. And access when the confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Of what? Of Christ and his power. Christ and his effectiveness in the lives of others. In John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater, say it with me if you know it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on now. Greater is he that is in me. The Holy Spirit of God is greater than Satan that's in the world. Greater than those evil forces. We have a power and we have a strength to overcome all that is in this world. At the name of Jesus Christ, at his name, the demons flee. Why are we afraid? What are we afraid of? We have the power of God. We have the way, the truth, and the life. We have hope, as we heard this morning, a hope that this world is desperately looking for. What can this world possibly do to us who have Christ? Knowing we have Christ, we can go forth boldly. Hebrews 13, 6, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Listen, even if it happened in Canada, you knock on that door. Hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. Kaboom! All they can do is take the body. They can't take the soul. If somebody kills me for trying to give them the Lord Jesus Christ, I go off to heaven, spend eternity with Christ. I win. I don't lose. I win. Isn't that where we're all headed? Isn't that where we all want to go? Hebrews 13, 6, so that we may boldly slay the Lord is my helper. How about that tomorrow you say to somebody, you know what? These are tough times. 
There are a lot of people that are really stressed out. There are a lot of people that are turning to things to try to help them through this time. Suicide is on a rise. Anxiety is going through the roof. Hey, you know what? Everything's okay. How you doing? I'm doing great. Try that for a change. Instead of saying, oh, man, blah, 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 COVID, blah, 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 mask, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing great. Man, I couldn't be better. Somebody's going to get a white jacket and put it on you and haul you to St. Thomas. That's what they did to me. And I've been there for 30 years. What's wrong with you? The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Ah, it's a terrible time, tough time, but you know what? <laughs> People have had worse. People have gone through tougher times. We just had Remembrance Day, remembering guys that fought in the First and Second World War in the trenches, down in the mud, lice and rats and feet and all infected and, and dead bodies all around, seeing their buddies blown up, and we're all upset because we have a little problem going on. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us as Christians to say that our help is in Jesus. And then finally, know this boldness is a product of Christian persecution and poise. The greatest increase of conversions in many places comes when there is persecution. Persecution. We don't know anything about that, but there are places in the world where there's persecution. There, there are some Christians in some Arab nations that have literally lost their head, chopped off because they would not denounce Jesus Christ. Our forefathers that died because they would not denounce the gospel message. They would not turn from the blessed book, the, the blood and the, the hope of Christ. We don't know persecution, but in Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And many brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, because I'm in prison, because I took a stand, because I wouldn't back down. Other Christians have risen up. Maybe if we preach Christ in our work and got fired, other Christians say, you know what? I need to stand up for Christ. I need to be that kind of Christian. It's real in their life. Those who died in the persecution times of Christianity, you know what they said? They said that thing must be real. What they preach must be real. They really believe in that. They've given their life to that. And people said, I want what they've got. We don't really know persecution, but in this time, if we just stood up and said, listen, we're going to preach Christ and we're going to love Christ and we're going to demonstrate Christ in this time. And if you don't like it, that's okay. We're just going to preach Jesus. Maybe other Christians would stand up and do the same thing. The saints were moved by Paul's imprisoning and he was moved by their prayer. Paul was the real deal and he was unashamed. And that motivated the weak. Let me ask you, are you the real deal of Christianity? If I was to ask your spouse tonight, if I was to ask your kids tonight, if I was to ask your neighbors tonight, if I was to ask your workmates and schoolmates tonight, would they say that's the real deal of Christianity? We've never seen them waver. They're reading their Bible. We see them praying at lunchtime. We, we've heard them say, I want to pray for you. We, we've, we've had them invite us to church numerous times. They keep leaving those tracks all over the office. They're the real deal of Christianity. Paul was the real deal. Does your boldness identify you as a genuine Christian? Genuine Christian. Are you living in such a way that saved and lost both see what, what you have is real? Are people at work wondering how you put up with all the ribbing? Are people wondering why you're always so happy and helpful and hopeful? Boldness will do that. Paul, Paul asked a prayer what, what, was that he might not be ashamed and be bold. Should that not be our prayer as well? Would you in this hour ask God for either a newfound or renewed boldness? In a few moments, we're going to take just a short time and invitation tonight because of the, the length of this evening. But would you maybe in that time say, Lord, I need to be bold. God, I've gotten afraid. God, I'm a strong man, but when it comes to the things of Christ, I become a coward. 
God, I'll speak up about things about women's matters and I'll, and I'll protest other things, but I've not, I've not proclaimed Christ. And God, tonight I need that boldness. If we ever hope to see revival, we have got to find some boldness. If we hope to see those things of past, we need to have some boldness. Would you this hour reaffirm yourself as being in Christ and, and that he is in you? Will you realize that, that what he sees, as, would you realize that what we see as persecution is just a product of being a Christian? Let me say this and I'll close. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Last thing I'll say. The presence or absence of your boldness may determine the eternal destiny of another. Somebody write that down and put my name beside it. And when I'm gone, say, hey, Al Stone said one good thing in his life. Let me say it again. The presence or absence of our boldness may determine the eternal destiny of another. If I hold back, they may go to hell. If I get bold, I may bring them with me to heaven. The only thing of this world we'll take with us to heaven are those souls that we lead to Christ. Father, help us tonight. We need boldness. Not a person in this room doesn't need more of it tonight. Every one of us. If I gave an altar call tonight, every person ought to come to this altar. Every person ought to flood forward and say, God, I, need, I either need boldness or I need more boldness. God, I know. I know my countrymen, and I know many will be afraid to come forward. I know many would be almost embarrassed to step out. But Father, may they know this. Whether we stand in a pew or come forward, the prayer is what is important. And may we all tonight pray that prayer somehow. God, either give me more boldness or make me more bold where I'm at right now. So that, God, we might see revival. Let's stand on our feet, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The piano is going to begin to play. Would you pray right now? If you want to come forward tonight to this altar, you can come right now. Come and pray. God, talk about boldness. Step on, come. Be bold. If you don't want to come forward, would you bow your head right now? Would you begin praying? Lord, give me boldness. Give me boldness. I've been timid. I'm saved, but I'm timid. Or maybe you'd pray, Lord, I used to be a great soul winner. I used to tell so many people about Christ. I used to pass out tracts all the time. I invited people to church. I had people come on a bus route. It's been a long time since I've had anybody hear about Jesus in my life. God, give me that boldness back. We want revival. We said it tonight. We said amen. We said it loud. We said it without any pressure. But we're not going to see it until we see boldness. Until we see young men come to an altar and say, God, make me a preacher. Until we come and stand before Christ and say, God, remove all fear from my life. I have nothing to lose. Lord, let me not be ashamed of the gospel that saved my soul. Give me boldness. Give me boldness. Give me boldness. Would you please go home tonight and call somebody? You say, we can't talk to anybody. COVID, you can talk on a phone. You can send an email. You can text. You can do a FaceTime or a Zoom call. Somehow, some way, communicate with someone. I've got to tell you about Jesus. You may have told them before, but say, listen, we were burdened tonight. The Holy Spirit of God spoke me tonight. And I can't go to sleep tonight without telling you one more time. Jesus loves you. And I want you to be saved. God, help us. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you so much for all you've done for us.
And God, I pray tonight that you would give us indeed that boldness. Let us not leave here tonight until we've got it. Some may have to come after this business meeting and spend some time in prayer at the altar. But God, tonight, give us boldness. I beg you, in my life, give me more boldness. People need to be saved, especially in this day. And we won't see it until we Christians act like Christians that are Christians indeed. And that kind of Christian possesses a boldness that doesn't come by excellency of speech, but by a power of the Holy Spirit of God. And we pray it in Jesus' name.